there's something been curious about this broadcast. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Whenever I'm in the potosphere, there's only one place to be. That garbage pod. Hello everybody and welcome to the Garbage Pod Stroke TGP Nominal Christmas Crossover. We produced the Christmas Crossover for the last few years so that listeners of both podcasts can experience the taste of the other podcast. We're going to have a few guests on the show, we're going to have a few Christmas messages from people that we've worked with and people who've supported us over the years. There's going to be music, there's going to be quizzes, there's going to be all kinds of festive fun going on. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to take a trip to an event that the Garbage Pod is very proud to be part of. Hey everybody, all you Garbage Pod viewers out there, uh, happy holidays from NASA Edge. Merry Christmas! Yeah, I like that festive robust. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Have a great holiday season and and just uh, be safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. be safe. Yep. And also, if you're interested in unique gift ideas, um, we do parties. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, you can download episodes of Garbage Pod and NASA Edge. They make perfect digital stocking stuffers. So you find me in Aylesbury Vale Park for Live in the Park 2021. It's the first time one of these events has been held since 2019 because of the pandemic and uh, it's really good to be back. And what you're hearing in the background is a sound check for the Sole Enforcement Bureau who are the first act to perform today and they are going on at 12 that's when the, the gig starts goes on to about half past nine tonight I think uh, these are, are retailers selling uh, food and drink and stuff like that uh, on the other side are some community projects that are uh, taking part in the event today the whole thing's free and um, it's a really good day out. Um, I think there's 12 bands taking part across the board. Uh, last band tonight is MBS, who are featured previously on the Garbage Pod. Um, and they're headlining, and uh, they are a really good cover band. So, as I say, I am moving my way into the community area so you can see what's going on here. Just let this lady go past. So as we go under the trees here, there's lots of different organisations, for example, We've got the Alsbury Wombles, who are a volunteer group uh, picking up rubbish throughout Alsbury Vale and spreading out to other places. And you've got the metal detection dogs, the charity, 
uh, for um, training dogs to detect things like cancers and things like that. And you've got the Queen's Park Arts Centre, which is a local uh, arts and dra drama uh, dramatic uh, organisation in Aylesbury. They put on a lot of events during the course of the year. Obviously they haven't been able to recently because of lockdown and stuff. Yeah, so we've got here, oh, the scouts are here, we've got Florence Nightingale House who are a uh, hospice in the local vicinity and uh, a lot of local people raise money for them. We've got the local councils uh, doing their bit here and of course um, You've got a few local businesses that have been helping to put a bit of money into this event as well. So they're here promoting their wares. There's games, badminton, uh, massive Connect Four sets for the kids to play. Got the uh, army cadets. And as I say, there's a lot of uh, musical organisations as well, um, getting kids into music and stuff like that. So I will come back to you in a little bit later and uh, speak to you again soon. Very good afternoon to you and welcome. It does seem a very long time in coming. Welcome to Parklife Weekend 2021. And uh, particularly today, welcome to Live in the Park. We've got a, a fabulous lineup of bands for you uh, over the next nine and a half hours. Finishing off with our headliners, uh, NBS, Natural Born Sinners, a little bit later on. On behalf of Aylesbury Town Council, and Bucks Radio. We hope you have a fabulous uh, day with us today. I just know it's going to be something special. So what I'm going to do is bring on our first terrific band uh, to begin our musical journey this afternoon. To kick off Park Life, live in the park 2021, will you please welcome the Soul Enforcement Bureau. <laughs> Joining me on the show is someone I have had the pleasure of collaborating and working with through various events over the last four years. It's Senior Events Officer for Aylesbury Town Council, Ruth Mayhew. Welcome on board, Ruth. Hi, Mark. How are you? Doing great. How's the run-up to Christmas? Uh, frantic, manic, changeable, flexible is kind of like where we're going at the minute. So, uh, so yeah, we did have a, um, an event planned for the early part of December, but obviously restrictions have come in place and that it was the safe thing to do to to cancel that event which was a shame but you know we've got to be right in keeping people safe that's absolutely right so the reason why you're on board today obviously is to talk about live in the park which happened on the august bank holiday which i had a very uh, tough time of it to be honest with you I know. <laughs> um but 
from what I got from the event, it was amazing straight away. And, and to be able to see smiling faces again and people enjoying the music, it was an amazing time. Yeah, it certainly was. It was definitely the year. The atmosphere, the vibe, the anticipation, the excitement, the community feel. Um, you know, August Bank Holiday 2021 was a time that we all kind of needed to feel alive and to feel the buzz of our community and people being brought together in a safe and open field environment. It was an amazing, an amazing year this year. All years are great, but I do think this year kind of like it had a really excited and this kind of like pent up energy and the whole kind of almost kind of like pre-Christmas and what it's like and you kind of like get that build up of, kind of like, what's going to happen and how many surprises because everybody was kind of had that warm, fuzzy feeling of, of seeing friends, being social. And of course, listening to all the local amazing live bands, 13 bands across the nine and a half hours. It was a phenomenal day to be able to showcase all of the music that we did. It was it was really great, really fantastic. Obviously, there was a big transition from going from last year, if, if anybody was not familiar with it, there was a Not Live in the Park event, which was fantastic in itself to be able to put that event on, which was a full virtual program of things going on. But to be able to put on this event in the climate that we've we've had was an amazing feat. Yeah, it certainly was. So obviously, 2020 was a complete write-off. We did not live in the park. A uh, full day of bands being streamed and that kind of thing. And what was really amazing was from the bands that were submitted uh, to not live in the park, we had to have their videos featured as part of our online festival. We found a couple of bands that then, in fact, ended up performing at Live in the Park in 21. So it was a, a wonderful way to kind of find some new talent and kind of like get out there because ultimately, normally I find the bands from going to gigs, going to other festivals, seeing all that kind of thing. But that obviously hasn't happened very much for the past couple of years. So finding those submissions and finding those bands because in this time that, you know, we're on restricted contact and you can't go out, people have been rehearsing and practicing and even setting up bands from scratch during lockdown and in those rehearsal times. So we've had some some great new talents, some that have been featured in Live in the Park 2021. And we're hoping for some more for Live in the Park 2022. So yeah, it was a great day. What goes in the process of selecting the bands that are going to take place? Oh my goodness, the process is huge, huge. <laughs> for Live in the Park 21 and for now the up and coming 2022, which is what I'm currently looking at at the moment, the lineup for that. I look at lots of different band videos that have been submitted and we have to kind of look at their live performances, what their quality of their kind of like professional recordings are. But having a, a video with somebody that's kind of like been recorded in a pub on a phone gives us the great way to kind of see what the music's like. But then it's also understanding the nature of the event, the flow of the event, the balance of the acts, the diversity of the acts, the musical tastes that are that are all involved. You know, 13 bands across nine and a half hours, if you think, oh, that'd be easy, just put that. But no, it's a, a real big juggle to make sure that the timing of the music's right as well. You know, or different audiences at different times of the day. You know, if I put a jazz band on at, <laughs> seven o'clock in the evening that wouldn't probably go down very well but we had a jazz band on at two o'clock in the afternoon yeah. and they went down an absolute storm and the audience loved them so it's about timing it's about process it's about musicality it's also about exposure for new local bands that's why we have the second stage as well of the main stage so it's not kind of like quite as big and quite as imposing to fill our huge main stage so finding new bands to go on to there and also some singers that maybe haven't got a band together yet this is an exclusive 
Nobody knows this yet. So a Garbage Pod exclusive, we are looking at doing on the second stage a series of artists that sing along to backing tracks that they just do a couple of tracks each to give them the exposure and the experience and that kind of thing. So that's something that we've never done before and are looking to do next year, 2022. So yeah, it's all about opportunity. And it's a good opportunity for them to get to know audiences and audiences to get to know them. Yeah, exactly. A bit like Discovers without bands as vocalists Mm. as opposed to the kind of full bands. Again, another exclusive. (laughs) Um, We're looking at working with local music school, XYZ Music, Mm -hmm. in what we've been using as our kids' entertainment tent that we had last year. They're going to be hosting a battle of the bands. That's going to be fully organised by the team at XYZ, and they'll do the heats beforehand and the semi-finals and the finals going on during the event for the last couple of hours as well. So that's a fantastic, exciting and new and supporting not only local musicians, but local young musicians as well for this kind of youngsters battle of the bands that will be going on there. So it's always about evolving the event. We never stay still. We uh, always try to kind of like progress and do something different. Let, let, let that be COVID throwing us curveballs. Or it's just kind of like standing back and just going, actually, we could do this. How about that? Yeah. And and listening to the feedback from the visitors. You know, we get feedback all the time of kind of like, how about this and how about that? When we try and implement as much as we can to make the event as most successful and more enjoyable as possible. You mentioned uh, the, the smaller stage. It was kind of like the Phoenix from the Ashes handing the baton over from Mix 96 to Bucks Radio. Yeah, really, really exciting. So we've been working with Richard and Nathan from Bucks Radio for many, many years, both in their time as Mix 96 and their time with Richard on Bucks Radio. And in fact, Richard, from the Not Live in the Park, which we did last year, you may recall we did some videos called Live in the Field, where we had some amazing bands performing there. And Richard from Bucks Radio made those videos for us. So we're all connected. And yeah, to have them supporting the second stage for Bucks Radio was really great and a lovely opportunity to work in collaboration and media partnership with them um, for us to support their growth in where they're going. And we wish them very, very well. So you're currently looking for bands and artists to take part next year. Yep. So how could people get in touch about that? By the time this goes on air, our deadline would have passed. Ah. So, um, so I'm afraid that that would have gone because um, we're literally in the last knockings of it now. However, if any band could like to contact us at any time it doesn't just have to be for the submission you know because I, I have a little file of magic of bands that I can like delve into and kind of like and I and I'll also I'll watch you might send me a clip and, and it'll be like oh they're interesting so I'll follow them on socials see where they're playing and hopefully get along to a live gig across the course of the year so if anybody is interested at in playing at Live in the Park contact Ellsbury Town Council either through our website or any of our social media channels we're on Ellsbury TC across all social channels as in Ellsbury Town Council as in Ellsbury TC but you'll find us and just ping us a message there and I'll be in touch and you can just send me some stuff because I'd love to hear from anybody that's got anything that they'd like to play Excellent Obviously, because there was a gap between 2019 and 2021 as regards to the people coming to the events, what sort of footfall were you getting this year? It was really interesting because we obviously had no idea what to expect with everything that's going on with COVID. It's about choice and it's about sensible choice. So we knew that there would be some attendees that would choose not to come because they knew it would be a very busy and popular event. Mm -hmm. But we also knew, you know, obviously it's outside. 
so there's plenty of air circulation and all that kind of thing. What we noticed was people remained in their social groups far more than any other previous year. Um, there wasn't so much kind of like mixing in between or crammed at the front of the stage. Well, not quite so much. So numbers were, in fact, about on a par with where they were from back in 2019. So we're looking at about 15,000 people on the Saturday and then a further 3,000, 4,000 people at Promise in the Park on the Sunday after. Wow. So numbers were fractionately up. As I say, given that a large proportion of people didn't come because of their own personal concerns, which we 100% respect, we also saw a lot of new visitors as well. And so it was lovely that people chose to come and spend their time with us and have lots of fun and, and listen to the music and buy from the stalls and all the catering bits and pieces and, and have a drink. And yeah, it was great. It was actually quite fun for me in respect to I was beginning to get recognised by some people. Of course you are! <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of the bands, uh, I mean, Blue Jay, they recognised me. Uh, they were like, oh, come and speak to us later and that kind of thing. Blue Jay are fantastic. Wendy and Roger and the team are really fantastic. And yeah, you're a known face for us. Now, we love you coming along and supporting the events and doing lots of filming and that kind of thing. It's a pleasure and an honour to have you join us. Yeah, we, we, we do what we can because it's such an amazing event thank you thank you and it's and it's through supporting you know us supporting you and you supporting us i think they call it a win-win situation you know it's it's about community you're here to support your local community and to spread the good word of joy and happiness and and all things fun and that's what we're there for too it's a free community event that brings our community together so and that's why we work together with with so many different organizations it's, it's really weird actually because my mum kind of joked about it because she said you know you're involved with more things with Ausbury now now you've moved away from Ausbury than you did when you were in Ausbury <laughs> ah the irony the irony the irony <laughs> <laughs> well we're very pleased that you are so thank you <laughs> So you had, as you say, 13 bands throughout the course of the day yeah. and you finished up with MBS who are... The phenomenal MBS, yes. <laughs> they, are, they are just a ball of energy. Yeah, they were amazing. <laughs> they were absolutely amazing. So they actually kind of, they landed lucky actually. So we, they performed for us in 2019 in the middle of the afternoon on the main stage and they did a 45 minute set and they went down an absolute storm the public and the audience went crazy for them i was inundated with mbs to headline mbs to headline mbs from so many so many people we have a, a policy that i don't have bands in consecutive years just to keep it fresh and and that kind of thing mm. so i was like okay i can't put them on next year but then next year was then cancelled <laughs> So 2019, they came out and they stormed the audience. Next year became 2020, which was cancelled. So then it was just like they were the only and obvious choice for Headline Act for, for us coming back in 2021. And they didn't let us down. They absolutely smashed it. Great, great covers band. So much energy. They were amazing. Really, really good. As were a lot of other bands during the day. We had some phenomenal performances. We've got to be very proud of our local musicians. They're a very, very talented group very talented bunch oh definitely i mean and as you said it was a very diverse choice of acts that you had on and and it was there was all types of music for everybody i think saxophone led jazz with no vocals mm -hmm. to rockabilly and i think the terminology is gospel rap 
or something like that to a beautiful Indian singer that kind of like mixes Indian lyrics with European contemporary sounds. I mean, it was it was amazing and a nice mixture of original material and cover material as well. You know, we all like to bop along to tracks that we know and yeah. we can sing along to. But these artists are writing some great stuff, really great stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, innovative and forward thinking. So to be able to support that and increase their audience and understanding is a really exciting opportunity for us that we give that platform and that showcase for new writers as well as performers. Definitely. What have you got possibly coming up in the new year? We're following our normal, well, our hopefully normal event programme. The buzzword around the office at the minute is constantly, and it has been for the past 18 months, is COVID flexibility. What we're doing is we're making sure that we're organising all of next year's programme with the flexibility to be able to make an event viable. And there's also a difference between just because you can doesn't mean you should. It's like the event that we've got that should be in December. Legally, we'd be able to do it. But just the nature of the event, the way people move around the event, the decision was taken not to have it. So we'll be hopefully be having a St George's Day event on Sunday the 24th of April, which will see a scout and uniform juice parade. And we're going to make this the biggest and best and most spectacular parade in Ellsbury for many, many years. We've got a St George on horseback. There's a marching band. There's a dragon with fire dancers. There's flags like to remind you of Game of Thrones and the kind of like big medieval kind of like thing going on. <laughs> so we've got lots of exciting plans for the parade, which we hope will, as I say, will be a real spectacle for people of Aylesbury. Again, kind of like that kind of like feeling of needing to kind of like get back to normal. That runs alongside a historical fair, which this year we're having as a Victorian theme. Um, I can't remember their name. But basically, think the greatest showman in those kind of like weird and wonderful, fantastical kind of like sideshows and that kind of thing. Yeah. So no trapeze or anything like that, but a real Victorian street entertainment and that kind of thing. Um, then we'll hopefully be doing our walking play with the crew from Unbound Theatre in early May. Currently looking for a perfect venue. So I'm on a location scouting hunt at the moment. Then we have Soapbox Derby on Father's Day in June. Ellsbury on Sea at the beginning of July, the first Sunday of July, where we bring 60 tonnes of sand into Vale Park to build sandcastles to your heart's content. You know, there'll be Punch and Judy, there'll be games and crafts and activities and lots of things going on there contemplating a water zone park not a water park in the in 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 the park which everybody would love i appreciate but a kind of water pistol zone area thing which might be an absolute laugh <laughs> so yes yeah, so that's a possibility and then of course we're then rolling into life in the park and promise in the park at the end of august so i say we're searching for bands at the moment that'll be finalized and organized like early january and we're making the announcements in february march time of kind of like who's going to be on the lineup for life in the park 2022 whether or not they'll uh, surpass nbs um we have decided on this year's headline for 2022 another exclusive <laughs> and i'm very excited i'm not going to tell you who it is it's not that much of an exclusive but they will certainly entertain you and rock your socks off in a way that you've never experienced at live in the park before and i'm very excited that this band will be joining us but yeah they have big shoes to fill with mbs um because they really were absolutely phenomenal born entertainers and ultimately that's what you need for life in the park you need to entertain that crowd which they did with absolute precision yeah 
But if I don't speak to you before, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to Mark. We have a really fantastic and very special time, whatever we all end up doing. And uh, I will be speaking to you in the new year. So fantastic. Yeah, fabulous. Thank you so much and enjoy MBS. Welcome MBS.
talking with a band that actually headlined live in the park and that's nbs so we've got andy who's the drug uh, who's the lead singer we've got dan who's a guitarist and gareth who is the drummer don't ever let me drum mark don't ever let me do it mate. <laughs> and don't let me sing <laughs> and don't let me play guitar <laughs> so I spoke to you guys, well, I spoke to Dan and Andy in uh, 2019 when you were doing the, the afternoon session, and it's different now that you were asked to do the headline. What was that like when you got the call for that? This time was the third time we'd done it. We started in 2017, um, opened the show at uh, midday. We did 5pm on the 29th, on, in 2019. Um, we always hope for coming back, and we know that the council have a policy of not having the same bands back year after year, which is absolutely fair enough. And um, Ruth's been dropping me a couple of cryptic emails and there was a bit of my head just thinking if we get to play the show again, I'll be delighted. So I didn't want to get my hopes up. Yeah, she got hold of me and um, she was very excited and asked me if I was sitting down when she told me we were headlining. There was a shout, there was um, a lot of smiling, a lot of laughing and it was a, it was a wonderful moment. And obviously couldn't wait to tell the rest of the guys and you know, the reaction was uh, the same from those as well. So it was awesome. When I saw the crowd and how they reacted with you guys in 2019, I thought that MBS were an, an absolute class act to put in as the headliners because I knew that you would pull it off and you know, the crowd would be amazing. So I couldn't have thought of a better choice. It's very kind of you, mate. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it. A lot of the reason we got the 2021 show was feedback from 2019 where people had you know, put some really positive things about us. So it's thanks to people that came to see us that said, yeah, they're great bringing back. So it's the whole audience we have to thank for that superb yeah and i think it was i know we're talking about just the announcement but i think it was even more special just because of everything that's happened over the past 18 months so i I think it wasn't our first gig back we'd done a few which was good because that wouldn't have been a good first gig to come back and remember how to play but um it was just really nice to see everybody outside having a good time letting their hair down after you know terrible time that everyone's been through so yeah all in all it couldn't have been better timing it was perfect it was really good yeah And to be honest, it, it nearly had a double bite at us because um, our keyboard player actually wasn't with us in 2019. He, he had a different commitment. And we, we have this backup guy who's really good, guy called Richard, who was the guy that played in 2019. And we'd actually done a gig the Saturday before with, with Richard, the, the backup keyboard player. And he was joking. You know, he, he said, oh, I bet you guys are really excited about playing LSB next weekend. And, you know, if anything happens to Mike, you know, I'm, I'm available. Give me a call. And we we just laughing about it. And um, I think 9 p.m., on the Friday night, I had a had a message from Mike saying, "Guys, I've got COVID," and and I, I was oh, thinking, man. "Geez, you're you're joking, you're absolutely joking here." And um, suddenly, it's like, "What the hell do I do?" So um, yeah, luckily I got hold of Richard and, and Richard. At first, thought I was joking, then was um, trying to convince me it wasn't him that gave Mike COVID, and um, that thankfully was was available to drop in and do the gig. But of course, the set before was only an hour the week before, so yeah, all of a sudden we give Richard an extra half hour to to learn effectively overnight. He rocks up and did a fantastic show as always does but uh covid nearly had a little bit of a bite back at us wow am i right in saying it was a slightly different lineup anyway yeah Haley was in the band back in um 2019 great singer lovely girl yeah we got on great with her but um she just kind of thought it wasn't really for her and she she sort of quit in january 2020 we, we don't always have two singers it's um 
the exception rather than the rule. And um, Jay is somebody we've known from you know from different bands over the years. We asked her if she'd like to be our second singer when we need a second singer, and she was delighted with the opportunity. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was Jay for you. She's got a great voice and um, she's a, a great backup for Andy. You kind of bounce off each other quite well. I literally met Joe, Mark, 30 minutes before that gig. Wow. So we organised it months before to say, can you come and sing with us? But she's a full-time singer and, and dancer in London and we do a lot of gigs with me just as a singer. So um, it was fantastic. We couldn't have hoped for more in terms of how we got on because literally I only met her 30 minutes before. So she could have hated us and that would have been really interesting. But yeah, we... Um, <laughs> We had a bit of fun. I think even Gareth liked her, and if Gareth likes her, then, then she's <laughs> doing something like well. Yeah. <laughs> no, she was great. She did a great job. Really, really pleased with uh, with how that turned out. Because, as Andy said, you know, the whole thing could have been um, a bit of a banana skin, but it wasn't. It was great. I, I just love the interplay. Bear in mind that those two had only just met. You would think they had known each other years. And, and I, I look back at the video, and I laugh. Just the, the kind of banter between them. Andy's got his usual kind of cheeky self, and, and she gives as good as she gets, and, yeah, she's got the voice to, to back it up. Yeah, you, you definitely would have not have known that you hadn't performed before together it was really professional we'd known jay for years as of a singer we'd seen her perform and we knew she was really professional she knew all the stuff so we knew that it wasn't going to be a bad transition so uh, yeah it worked out really well the problem was she's used to working with professionals and she ended up working with me but other than that it was all good <laughs> two secrets you only get from uh, listening to the garbage pod um, covid and uh, and the fact we'd only met this girl's therapy for we didn't want to tell anybody that in the light it's um you know smiling ways Away. <laughs> Excellent. Now, you mentioned earlier about the last 18 months that uh, we've just gone through. Did you manage to do anything as a band or anything during that time? I mean, like maybe some online stuff and things like that? Go on, Gareth, you answer that. Go on, because we've been doing too much talking. <laughs> we did some online stuff, but not really musical. It was more kind of <laughs> Zoom hangs and drinking. <laughs> Getting drunk virtually. Yeah. yeah. Getting drunk, drunk actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not something that we really worked on as far as kind of doing any sort of online gigs or anything. We did consider it a couple of times, but it just it never really worked out. So we socially kept in contact, but not musically. Yeah, and to be honest, Mark, and this is just a personal thing, we've all been playing music for a long time, and I've been singing for 30 years. I know I don't know that old, obviously, but I've been singing for 30 years, <laughs> and um, I've never had a break, and I wasn't going to have a break naturally, but if, if it was going to happen at any time, and obviously I wish it never happened, it was really unfortunate for mm. the whole world. But it was probably the right organic break for me, you know, just some time back to catch up with the family and realise how lucky we are, realise there's bigger things to worry about. And then I think it just makes you appreciate it even more when you come back to yeah. do it. You know, you just get that passion back and you just think like, I'm not taking this for granted anymore because I might not have it forever. And I know that's all very serious, but... Honestly, it's, it's how I felt. So, yeah, it, it was good. It was good. Yeah, I, I think the same was, was, was true for me. Um, and third secret's coming out now for the, the Garbage Pod. She barely touched the guitar for 18 months. Didn't even play at home. But a lot of it was that I couldn't bring myself to sit there and play guitar knowing that I didn't know when I could play a gig again. Because that's why we do it. Yeah, we, We're not into this to sell records or to get fame. We do it because we love doing it. We love entertaining audiences. And my heart just wouldn't take it to sit there and play and think, well, I don't know what my next gig's going to be. The downside to that, of course, is when the gigs started coming in. And then I thought, can I actually still play? <laughs> and that first moment I picked up a guitar, I thought, where did my fingers go? That was pretty tough. And it, it did take um, quite a bit to get back in and shape again. And actually, Garrison and Andy would argue that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say something, but I thought, you know what? I'll let Dan sell himself on that one. <laughs> 
I think Gareth, when it was safe, you did a couple of rehearsals and get together, didn't you, with other people, other bands that you play in, I think, didn't you? When it yeah, safe. I did a few Just other bits and pieces, and, and I also teach drums as well, so I kept that going throughout lockdown on, you know, sort of Zoom links and stuff. But the main thing I did through lockdown was start to learn piano. So I stopped playing drums and started playing piano instead. Oh, wow. We're not swapping him to our keyboard player, though. He can stay on drums. <laughs> If this lockdown had happened 20 years ago, it would have been incredibly lonely. But having yeah. a screen and being able to kind of even virtually do stuff was an absolute godsend. Yeah. And it's kind of become the norm. And what I've really liked about it is um, it's enabled me to catch up with a whole bunch of people I wouldn't have normally caught up with. And certainly in the kind of group scenario where, you know, a lot of my friends are sort of international for various reasons. And without the kind of impetus of lockdown, you know, beforehand, if you'd have said, hey, guys, let's do a Zoom call and catch up, people would go, what, you're crazy? Whereas now it's like, yeah, it's just, just kind of normal. Mark, did you up the podcast during that lockdown period or was it the same level of work that you would normally do? For me, because I actually edit podcasts as well, my actual editing side of things went downhill a little bit because people were able to edit their own stuff at home without the need right. of somebody else. Um the workload is, is slowly coming back up on that score, which gave me time to sort myself out and work out what I wanted to do. The only problem for me is a lot of the stuff I do, I'm going out to events and things. So I didn't have the events to go to. So I'm having to be a bit more inventive of how we were going to make content for the podcast, which was pretty good in a way, because as everybody was at home, if you said to somebody, oh, do you want to come on my podcast? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So it was swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Cool. And I've also been involved with some online streaming events as well. So I've been asked to host sure. a couple of things. And uh, it's been really interesting over, over that time, to be honest with you. And I think, I know there are people that do struggle with change and things like that. And that can't be helped because it's um, medical conditions. But I think most people that I've spoken to found the silver lining in it by finding new skills that they didn't have or getting in touch with people that they don't normally get in touch with mm. i mean i managed to put out a couple of olive branches and build a couple of bridges that I, I thought were broken a couple of years ago and it's really good that i've managed to get those people back on board again yeah that's cool definitely yeah, yeah i learned a new skill i had some singing lessons during lockdown so yeah it was all good <laughs> it was all good i reckon there might be a future in it <laughs> Did anybody bake any banana bread at all? <laughs> oh, don't. My wife did that. does that every week anyway. Yeah, my, my wife does a lot of that as well. So My other half wouldn't let me anywhere near the kitchen. If there's a big red vehicle outside with blue flashing lights on it, she knows I'm in the kitchen. So it's... <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. As a band, you know, we've been doing it a long time. We're lucky that we get to pick and choose what we do. We don't do a lot of public stuff these days, like um, open to the public. We do a lot of private work, a lot of private functions. So we've done a couple of parties, did a couple of outdoor sessions, which was great to see people outside enjoying themselves. And we've done a couple of, you know, really lovely parties, people's birthdays that have been cancelled during lockdown that they've had again. And it's just been really nice just to see the joy on people's faces, people getting back out again and starting to feel a little bit more secure about, you know, we can do this stuff and we can do it securely. So, yeah, it's been good. And there's... There's more to come and it's it's been nice because we you know i think we did two or three before the aylesbury thing and we got booking straight from those gigs you know so it's just great to see that people have got an appetite for live music again and that it won't go away which is fantastic what's been nice as well is that all of the gigs leading up to the aylesbury gig were all outside so everybody felt comfortable yeah coming yeah. so the audiences yeah. have been 
pretty full. I think if it started, you know, in the autumn and it all been inside, I think we'd have had drips and drabs of people. But I think being the summer, being that everybody's outside, everybody feels much more comfortable, it's felt more sort of normal to get back out and have an audience again. Yeah, so we'll completely. We'll have to see how it plays out in the winter, whether people are still as comfortable, but hopefully they will be. I think it's starting to open up a bit more now. People are working out where the boundaries are and how they need to do things to keep safe whilst they're in enclosed spaces and stuff. I mean, as long as there's a bit of room to manoeuvre, then, you know, everything should be fine. Without getting too deep, I think, you know, obviously there's been a lot of casualties as part of, yeah. of, of, the, of the lockdown. So, you know, I just all power to people that play any any kind of performance, you know, people that in the theatre, people that do anything, mm. you know, street performers. Let's just hope that, you know, that gets the funding and the support that it deserves and people yeah. can continue doing that, you know. And we're very fortunate, a couple of us, that we, it isn't our main livelihood, but there are guys yeah. like Gareth and, and, and Mike and people in the bands that are full-time musicians, you know. So I'm just glad that we've got yeah. gigs for that reason because there are people out there, it's their livelihood and it's tough, you know, it's been tough on people, so... It's just great that people can earn a couple of quid again. And I hope also everyone else is under pressure. I know this is a bit of a deep thing to say, but I just hope that the venues and the people that put on events whilst they're under pressure will realise it's not an excuse to try and, you know, drag down the the, the fees for performers because it's, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's their livelihood and it's something that should be yeah. respected and something that should be honoured. So uh, well, fingers so. crossed that that will continue to go on. Yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well said, mate. There's a question I always ask, and I've I've asked Andy and Dan this question in 2019, and obviously I didn't get to ask your good self, Gareth. It's a kind of like a Desert Island Disc situation. If you were in, in that situation on a Desert Island and you only had one album, what would it be? Jesus. That's a tough question, man. One I can't remember what I answered before, by the way, Mark. <laughs> I think realistically it would have to be physical graffiti, Led Zeppelin. Wow. Wow. Did you other guys want to have a go at that? Because I think I can remember Dan's answer on this one. What did Dan say? Thin Lizzy or something? I think it no. was Whitesnake. You got it. 1987. Um, 1987. Is that your favourite album? It's a good album. <laughs> it's a good it's album. It's a brilliant album. Melodically, it's superb. And it's got my all-time hero, John Sykes. Massively underrated guitar player. Loved what he did with Lizzy, Tyrus Pantang before that. Not a lot of people know he was nearly an Aussie Osborne, but um, Aussie turned up drunk to his audition, I think they had words, and, and that was the end of that. He was the guy that transformed Whitesnake from being the kind of blues band they were to the sort of modern, you know, rocky thing that 97 was. Love the album, love Covered Out. Yeah, it's for me, it's, it defines what the best rock album can be. And I know people who listen to this podcast are probably now putting sticks into, the, uh, <laughs> into their screens, but it's... Uh, just personal taste and personal opinion. Yeah, what you say, 97. I'm well remembered, Mark. I'm super impressed with that. <laughs> I, I haven't got a clue what I answered. Um, I'm really, really, really stuck on this. I could go for like one of the classics. I could go for a Zeppelin album, or I could go for Guns and Roses' Appetite for Destruction. But I think I'm going to go a bit out there. So I'm going to go out there because it's something that I listened to a lot when I was uh, in my teenage years, and it's not very cool to be honest. So. Everyone knows Brian Adams for all the cheesy rubbish that he released later on in life. And, and obviously, he had a few albums before Reckless came along and made him a superstar. But actually, the album after Reckless, Into the Fire, has a bit of a personal meaning for me. So I used to listen to that album a lot on LP back in the day. And I used to learn to sing to it, to be honest. So um, 
I would probably go for that just to be a little bit out there. Cool. You're talking about Brian Adams because I've been watching the replays of Top of the Pops from 1991 and wow. that's a problem at the moment because we're at the bit where Brian Adams was at number one for 16 weeks so you have to keep fast forwarding it when it comes to <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> Painful. <laughs> So, guys, as you know, we always like to ask if you've got anything coming up. Do you have anything on, on the cards? We've got some cool stuff coming into into New Year. There's um, a really good friend of mine. We um, we played her wedding, I think. I can't even remember if it was 10 or 15 years ago now. Um, met her through a gig, actually. And uh, it's her significant birthday um, in January. So that's, we're going to be kicking off the New Year for that. And we're getting a few bookings through the years. We're getting back into the, um, the kind of clubs and things. So... There should be some opportunities to, to see us for the general public in these more kind of social clubs. And then getting back through to the summer, since about 2003, I guess, um, we've actually been playing um, Newbury Dog Show, which uh, which is a funny thing to say. I'm, I'm saying that a bit tongue-in-cheek. It's actually the Thames um, Agility Show. So these are these people that have the crawlies and they do these amazing things with running them over you know, ramps and tunnels and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just a massive party. And um, it's our favourite gig of the year. It's, it's absolutely, with the exception of Vale Park, of course, but we don't get it every year. It's absolutely mental. It's a marquee for the people. It's their Saturday night entertainment. Everyone brings their own drinks. And um, sadly, it's been cancelled for the last two years. So it didn't even happen this year. So so I think by the time we do it again, it'll be three years since we've done it. So that's uh, beginning of June. Looking forward to that. And um, yeah, but we have a few other things kind of booked. Because last summer, the summer of 2021, there was a lot of these private parties that people got into having almost like private festivals in their fields. We did quite a few of those and they were just great. And um, these festivals tend to have been running every year, not always with bands. And um, we turned up and you know, people have really got into it some. Yeah, hopefully the summer a few more of those will come in. So yeah, that's that's, uh, that's the kind of plan. I don't know if Andy and Gareth have got any other insights on that. I don't think so, really. I think you know you're more privy to the calendar than we are, Dan. Really, so you know <laughs> you know what we're doing. We just uh, turn up when we're told. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just turn up and hit things. What people you make bad drummer jokes? <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> it's just nice to know that there's some stuff in the diary and and it's not all kind of shut down again. I wonder if we should give the fourth secret away to the, the garbage pod. Well, I'm not wearing trousers. Well, you know, everybody knows that, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who knows us knows that we don't rehearse. We've always done this, and we start from day one, you know, 20 odd years ago, where we said, um, okay, the rules of the game are we're not going to rehearse, and Andy chooses the songs. And, and that, that's a good formula because you don't get into politics, it doesn't become a hassle, and, and the guy who actually gets the audience into it is the guy that's, that's choosing the songs. Otherwise, you get like 10 minute guitar solos. Not that you don't get that, I just ignore how long the guitar solos in the original track and play as long as I want. They love me for it. But this year, yeah, and we talked about kind of renewed, renewed energy. We've actually rehearsed. We've actually had about maybe three rehearsals where we've physically got in a room and played together. And this is the new MBS, an MBS that rehearses. It will never happen again. That was only because we wanted to make sure you could still play the guitar. <laughs> yeah, That's but... why we had three rehearsals. The first two didn't convince us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't think the third one did either. So why are we still kicking? <laughs> <laughs> So, guys, it's been an absolute honour having you on the show for the second time. You can make it another one. You get to keep the football. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, have you got a jingle? We've got to write you a jingle, man. What what kind of genre do you think? What do you reckon? Something a bit funky. Yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Nice. Okay. We'll have a a think. We'll have a think. Got ideas flowing through my head. I like it. Watch this space, everyone. We'll come back for number three to release the jingle. Oh, that would be awesome. 
It's it's been fun as always, and um, I I really look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Thanks so much for having us, and uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks again, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Mark. I'd like to thank Andy, Dan and Gareth from MBS for taking time out to come on board the show and for letting me play part of their set. I'd also like to thank Ruth Mayhew and all the volunteers and organisers of Live in the Park for putting up with us and also FBL Broadcasting for allowing us to use the audio from their live stream from the event. FBL Broadcasting recorded Live in the Park 2021 in its entirety so you can watch all the bands from the event. Not only that, they also recorded the Proms in the Park on the Sunday so you can watch that also. I'll include links from both the events in the show notes. Right, we're going to have another short break and when we return I'll be joined by my regular TGP nominal co-host and someone who might be familiar if you're a regular Garbage Pod listener. Crichton, what's in this box? It looks like a small red dwarf garbage pod, sir. What, a full one? No, sir. We stopped using the small ones a long time ago. Well, let's open it then. Oh, God, that stinks. I thought you said it was empty. Sorry about that, sir. Sometimes the little suckers get away. That's disgusting. Oh, no. It won't close. There's a message, sir. Say, Merry Christmas Garbage Pod to close. Ah, Crichton, you know I hate Christmas. It's the only way, sir. Well, I'm not going to do it. That stench. Come on, sir. You can do it. Just a little one. Ah, yeah. Okay, anything just to get it closed. Merry Christmas Garbage Pod... Look, sir, it's working. There now, sir. That wasn't so bad, was it? Merry Christmas, Garbage Pod. Bye-bye, little fella. There's something curious about this broadcast. This is TGP Nominal. Commence episode now. Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. All systems remain nominal. Welcome back to the Garbage Pod TGP Nominal Christmas Crossover. I've been really looking forward to this segment of the show because there is a lot going on. Now, TGP Nominal wouldn't be the same without some transatlantic banter, so joining me from Pennsylvania is my partner in crime, John Berger. How you doing, sir? Uh crime but i don't know of any crime that you're don't say that on the air (laughs) hi so how's it going it's going (laughs) it could be a lot worse it certainly could and also joining us this evening is someone who was due to join us for last year's christmas crossover but due to covid this wasn't possible so please welcome on board for his fourth appearance on the garbage pod and the tgp nominal the one and only eddie spangles how goes it eddie Nadolly Clowen. <laughs> um, um, that's the only Welsh I know, so how are you, how are you doing? You're right. <laughs> Bonadar. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> but can you pronounce that town name? No. Is the answer to that? <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up no. Okay. 
fellow podcaster and uh, honorary crew member uh, Gareth Jones, uh, otherwise known as Gaz Top, for his 60th birthday decided he was going to swim across the lakes of Wales from north to south. They did a documentary on S4C and it's also on the iPlayer if uh, anybody out there wants to watch it. Do make sure you've got the subtitles on. It is in Welsh, but there are parts of it where it's in English and I was sitting there watching it with the subtitles on thinking to myself, hang on a moment, I think I'm starting to understand Welsh. (laughs) And then realised he's talking in English. (laughs) That happens quite a lot on S4C. But it's really good. It's over three episodes and uh, he gets quite ill at one point because of whatever's in the water in in the lakes. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's it's well worth a watch. Um, As you can probably guess, Eddie isn't Welsh, but he lives in Wales. He went from one extreme to the other, coming from the black country originally and (laughs) moving to Wales. They're very similar accents as well, but nobody else can understand what you're saying unless you're from Wales or the black country. That's how it works. Uh, okay, sorry, sorry. Uh, my this side of the pond ignorance. The black country. Yeah. Shall I explain? Yeah. So it, it comes from the industrial revolution. So there was a lot of coal mining, ah. a lot of steel and iron works. Okay. And so whenever you used to open the front door, you'd go outside and there'd just be this black fog everywhere. And that's why parts of the Midlands is, is called the black country. That makes sense. I thought you was actually going to question Eddie the uh, the episode that you've been in. I couldn't remember how many I did. I was like, really four? Wow. Yeah, four including this. And earlier in the year, your better half came on board the Garbage Pod for our Eurovision special. And recently, you both went to see one of the 2021 Eurovision artists, didn't you? Yeah, um, absolutely amazing. I got a little bit upset that she's trying to take over me being in podcasts. So she was on your podcast. Then she started up her own as well. Yeah. Well, she hasn't done for a while. We've been a little bit busy with uh, two kids. And yeah, so we went to see uh, Daddy Freya from Iceland. He was in uh, Bristol two weeks ago and uh, blew my socks off. I've got to say, one of the best live acts I've ever seen. It was amazing. It was I didn't know what to expect. So it, it's him. There was uh, a lady on percussion and a guitarist. Yeah, absolutely uh, amazing. And he, he actually did the Birdie song. He did a, an electro pop version of the Birdie song, <laughs> which was uh, different. Everybody joined in, sang along. Uh, did you sing the alternative lyrics? I know I didn't know there was alternative lyrics. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to say no, them. I, I better no, you're not. not. No, no, okay. No. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> So usually on TGP Nominal at this point, we would take a short break and come back with some space news. But during the Christmas crossover, we don't normally do that. However, we will be bringing you a few uplifting space stories, excuse the pun, later on in the show. But we'll be right back with something a bit more festive. Do not play the Star Wars Christmas album. <laughs> not not even the song about what to get a Wookiee for Christmas. That's, okay, that's one of the only good songs on there. The, the rest <laughs> of it is cringe. It's along the lines of the uh, the holiday special. Yeah. <laughs> no, this is bad. I, I've seen the holiday special. I think I'm, I didn't know there was an album though. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, sorry, John. I will be listening to it. I'm going to find it. You have been duly warned. <laughs> the, che- <laughs> the, the cheese level is very high. Is it as good as the TV? film see i'm the opposite i refuse to watch that because i know what it's about i didn't know no i won't do it i will not (laughs) i will not subject myself to that you've got to it's it's you've got to no i I do have the original christmas in the stars album and i will not be getting rid of it for posterity's sake but i will not be listening to it either (laughs) it's just that it's there it's there to have (laughs) and to say i've got it 
Hey, TGP nominal podcast listeners, this is Noah Petro, the project scientist of NASA's Lunar Reconnaissance Orbiter, lunar scientist, space enthusiast, and I want to wish everyone a happy, safe holiday season and a most wonderful new year. I look forward to talking to you in the new year. I hope you have a chance to get outside, enjoy the night sky, and uh, look forward to exciting things to come. Take care, everybody. Merry Christmas to everybody on TGP Nominal from Gareth Jones on Speed. TGP Nominal's resident astronomer, Ross Hockham, BCAE, wanted to be part of the show tonight, but he couldn't physically make it due to other commitments. So he recorded a little something that I think you will enjoy. The Science of Santa. Just how does he deliver presents to everyone across the world in one night? Well, we're going to have a look at some of the problems Santa has had to work around to achieve this mammoth task. And the first real obvious problem that we come across is flying reindeer. Now, no known species of reindeer we have discovered can fly. But, in history we have had dragons, flying horses, even flying reptiles, dinosaurs. With at least 300,000 unknown living organisms yet to be classified or discovered on Earth, we can't rule out a herd of flying reindeer, especially if Santa has them in his secret North Pole hideout that's hidden by magic or maybe stealth technology. That aside, let's move on to uh, some hairy, smelly little creatures we definitely know exist, kids. There are around two billion kids in the world, probably more hiding about somewhere, with more being born every day. That's a lot to visit. But Santa doesn't seem to appear in or handle the Muslim, Jewish, Hindu, nor Buddhist faiths. Although he does state that he delivers to anyone who isn't naughty regardless. So I reckon he goes to everyone. Depending on those that still believe in him, let's say we reduce his workload down to about 15% because of all these reasons, just to give us a minimum to work with because it makes it a bit more fun that way. That means there's around 378 million kids as a minimum. With an average census rate of 3.5 kids per home, that means he has to visit around 91.8 million homes. So if we say at least one of the kids in each family has been good, Thanks to the world being round, we have time zones, meaning that Santa has 31 hours of Christmas to work with if he travels east to west. That's the logical route across the planet. This means he has to make 822.6 home visits per second. That's quite a lot. So that gives him one one thousandth of a second to park, eat mince pies, deliver presents, perhaps have a cheeky brandy and then get to the next house. That's assuming every home is at an equal distance from one another, which they're not. It would be a trip of around 0.78 miles between houses and a total trip of around 75 million miles. That means that Santa's sleigh moves at around 650 miles per second. A conventional reindeer runs at about 15 miles an hour, but these are magic flying reindeer. So who knows? They could go a lot faster. Now, if we say each child gets a payload of, say, a medium-sized Lego set, which is, you know, everybody loves Lego, the sleigh would have to carry... 321,000 tons and 300. Not counting Santa, who is reportedly to be overweight. Now, normal reindeer can pull around 300 pounds, but flying reindeer are said to boast pulling 10 times that in most Christmas films. So at that rate, Santa would need 214,000 flying reindeer. We know he hasn't got that many. Now, we know this is all possible, but that amount of weight being pulled at that speed would, well cause the reindeer to burn up. 
due to the amount of friction caused by the air resistance as he goes through it, like a spaceship entering space or coming back down to Earth. And a Santa weighing a ludicrously slim, let's say, 250 pounds, would end up pinned to his seat by 4,315,015 pounds of force. That's a lot of G-force. So how does he do it? Well, there's only one conclusion. Santa is an astrophysicist, able to bend space and time, has mastered anti-gravity technology for his reindeer, stealth, and a warp drive sleigh. Or is there still some magic in the world that we've yet to discover? So you'd better be good, because he's checking his list twice to see who's been naughty and who's been nice. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from myself and the UK Astronomy team. And I look forward to seeing Santa, because I've been good this year. So guys, what did you make of that? I'll go for the magic. I go for uh, Brussels sprouts Diablo for the speed of the uh, the reindeer. Uh, You know, Brussels sprouts mixed with chilli. Yeah, that'll do it. I've got one image in my head now, and it's burnt up reindeer. Thanks for that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's something I've always... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, when I went to Lapland, uh, yeah, I worked in Lapland for uh, one winter, and my favourite dinner was uh, shredded reindeer on a big pile of mashed potato and gravy. It was amazing. That sounds good, actually. It was awesome. One of our local eating establishments here, they, uh, for a couple of years, had on their festive menu, reindeer burger. Nice. Ironically, it had a cherry tomato on top of the bun, <laughs> so it looked like a red nose. Merry Christmas, kids. <laughs> Guess what's for dinner? Did you know that all of Santa's reindeer are actually female? Mm-hmm. I learned that on Facebook this week. Because of the fact that it's only female reindeer that have antlers at this time of year. Because the male reindeer shed their antlers until mating season when they use their antlers to fend off other potential threats from other males. Now, uh, Ross is going to kill me for this, but I had to play this next recording into the show. After all, it is Christmas. My wife bought for me a 10-inch Skywatcher Dobby. On the second day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see two double stars through a 10-inch Skywatcher Dobby. On the third day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see Venus shining bright, two double stars through a 10-inch Skywatcher Dobby. On the fourth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see Four Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright Two double stars through a ten-inch Skywatcher Dobby On the fifth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see Andromeda Galaxy Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright Two double stars through a ten-inch Skywatcher Dobby On the sixth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see Uranus, it's not funny, Andromeda Galaxy Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright Two double stars through a ten-inch Skywatcher Dobby on the seventh day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see 
Seven sisters shining Uranus, it's not funny in Andromeda Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, Ruitan, it's going what you do be. On the eighth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see Saturn's awesome rings, seven sisters shining, Uranus, it's not funny, the Andromeda Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, Ruitan, it's Skywatcher Dobby. On the ninth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see. Nothing, it was cloudy, Saturn's awesome ring, seven sisters shining, Uranus, it's not funny, Andromeda Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, through a ten inch sky watcher Dobby. On the tenth day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see. Mercury at elongation, nothing, it was cloudy, Saturn's awesome rings, seven sisters shining, Uranus, it's not funny, the Andromeda Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, through a ten-inch sky watcher Dobby. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my wife let me out to see. Eleven nights of meteors, Mercury at elongation, nothing, it was cloudy, Saturn's awesome ring, seven sisters shining, Uranus, it's not funny, Andromeda Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, through a ten, it's sky water On the twelfth day of Christmas, my wife took me out to see. Mars's polar ice caps, eleven nights of meteors, Mercury at elongation, nothing, it was cloudy, Saturn's awesome rings, seven sisters shining, Uranus, it's not funny, then Dromeda, Galaxy. Four of Jupiter's moons, Venus shining bright, two double stars, through a ten, it's got water Now, he recorded that a few years ago, and it comes back to haunt him every Christmas. <laughs> hey, he brought it on himself. And uh, he doesn't know that I've actually played that into the show, <laughs> but he will do when he listens back. But yeah, it's r- really clever what he's done with that. There is a video that goes along with it where he's got his uh, turkey Christmas hat on, and uh, yeah... <laughs> But he was having fun, so... Was there alcohol involved? (laughs) Possibly. I would have thought so. (laughs) Right, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, it's time for a quiz. So make sure you have something to take down your scores. TGP listeners, this is Casper Van Dien. Welcome to the Roughnecks, and Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to all the listeners of TGP Nominal. This is Richard Garriott. I'm an honorary crew member. I'm uh, an astronaut. I flew on uh, Soyuz TMA-13 to the ISS in 2008. Some of you video game players may know me also as Lord British, uh, working on my newest game, Shroud of the Avatar. 
You know, as we are wrapping up one more trip around the sun, I know that many may lament getting one year older, but I must say that I am particularly excited about the current state of space science and technology uh, while we are uh, in a new golden era of space exploration, of human space exploration, where costs are coming down, access frequency is increasing, which means safety will also be increasing. And I, for one, I'm very bullish on my own ability to get back into space, which also comes along with the fact that I believe all of us will have an easier time uh, fulfilling our own dreams in uh, space beyond the Earth and maybe even on another planet. So here's to seeing you in the near future in space. Happy holidays. So before the break, I said that we would be having a quiz. Well, this will be the first of two quizzes. This one being our 12 Days of Christmas science quiz, and later will be our music quiz. So the 12 Days of Christmas quiz, I will ask you 12 science-based questions with various degrees of difficulty, and all you have to do is answer them. And there might be a few bonus points on offer too. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me... This is a maths question. If you multiply the highest number on the Beaufort scale by the atomic number of iodine, then add that to the year in which Darwin's Origin of Species was published, and then add the periodic table group number for halogens, what approximate festive number do you have? If you multiply the highest number on the Beaufort scale by the atomic number of iodine, then add that to the year in which Darwin's Origin of Species was published, and then add the periodic table group number for halogens, what approximate festive number do you have? I like it how you've started with the easy ones. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could you translate that to English, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, just tell me when you want me to carry on. Oh, I, I've... Uh, the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. In what context related to Christmas would you find a moon of Uranus, an icy celestial body, a vulpine female, a computer accessibility tool, a waggling honeybee, and thunder and lightning? Say that one again. In what context related to Christmas would you find a moon of Uranus? an icy celestial body, a vulpine female, a computer accessibility tool, a waggling honeybee, and thunder and lightning. Can I just remind everybody that I'm the uh, non-science person here? Thank you very much. (laughs) So when it comes to the answers, no laughing. And if you hear tapping, I'm just looking at local news, not nothing else. Uh, uh, Okay. (laughs) Mark's doing this to humiliate us. That's Yeah, 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 gotta be. (laughs) I I saw some of these questions. I thought, these are great. (laughs) On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Android are known for using sweet treats as the name of their operating systems. But what are the only two that have Christmas recipes of them in Nigella Lawson's book, <laughs> Nigella Christmas? Well, I mean, that right there puts me at a disadvantage. She's not as popular over here as she is over there. Yeah, but just go with the food stuff and see if you uh, can figure it. Uh-huh. Oh, do you know what? This might be the first one that I get correct. Are we ready for question four? All good here. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. What laws would you associate by the most famous scientists to have been born on Christmas Day? 
Are we done? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, good. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. What would Gallus Gallus Domesticus ovulations, a handful of Vitis vinifera, an embossed Argentum disc, and ignited C2H5OH be used to concoct? I'm sure my doctor prescribed that once. See that one again? What would Gallus Gallus Domesticus ovulations, a handful of Vitis vinifera, an embossed Argentum disc, an ignited C2H5OH be used to concoct. And it's something that is traditionally Christmassy. Yeah, I think I know where that one is. How you doing, Eddie? Yeah. I just keep saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Which craft crashed into Mars never to be seen again on Christmas Day 2003. Ready for question seven? Yep. On the seventh day of Christmas my true love gave to me. What is the only element that has no letters in common with three wise men? Boy, say that, say that one again. What is the only element that has no letters in common with three wise men? Christmas crackers go with a bang because of two overlapping cardboard strips that are treated with gunpowder. What are the three main ingredients of gunpowder and you get one point for each? On the ninth day of Christmas my true love gave to me Santa and his reindeer live at the North Pole, but it's not clear if this is geographic North Pole or magnetic North Pole. How far apart are these two at the moment within 60 miles? On the 10th day of Christmas my true love gave to me Astronauts broadcast which Christmas song from space in 1965? On the 11th day of Christmas my true love gave to me Mistletoe literally translates from Anglo-Saxon as what? On the 12th day of Christmas my true love gave to me In which modern day country was St Nicholas born? So, uh, how did you find that, guys? Painful. Yeah, I'll be happy if I get three right. Same here. Okay. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. 
which was the the one when you multiply all the different bits and pieces together so the highest number on the Beaufort scale is 12 and you times that by the atomic number of iodine which is 53 then you add that to the year that Darwin's original species was published which was 1859 then you add the periodic table group number for halogens which is 17 and your answer should be 2512 or the date of Christmas uh, it's weird that's never came up on Sesame Street I'm, I'm amazed <laughs> I never got that surprising <laughs> Jim Henson failed us. He did, he did. He's got lots of answers for. <laughs> On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. In what context related to Christmas would you find a moon of Uranus, an icy celestial body, a vulpine female, a computer accessibility tool, a waggling honeybee, and thunder and lightning? They're all Sansa's reindeer. Ah. Cupid is one of Uranus's 27 moons. Comet is an icy celestial body. Vixen is a vulpine female. Vulpine means anything related to foxes. Dasher is a computer accessibility tool. Dasher is an input method and a computer accessibility tool that enables users to compose text without using a keyboard, for example, entering text on a screen with a pointing device such as a mouse or a touchscreen. Dancer is a waggling honeybee. A waggle dance is a term used in beekeeping for a particular figure of eight dance that a honeybee does. By performing this dance, successful foragers can share information about the direction and distance of patches of flowers with nectar and pollen to water sources or to a new nest site locations with other members of the colony, which is really cool. And the last one was Donner and Blitzen, which is German for thunder and lightning. Wow. I went for rings for that one. I couldn't think of anything else. On the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Android are known for using sweet treats as the name of their operating systems. But what are the only two that have Christmas recipes of them in Nigella Lawson's book, Nigella Christmas? Cupcake and gingerbread. Ah, I got one. I thought there was a candy cane in there as well. The rest of them are donut, eclair, froyo, honeycomb, ice cream sandwich, jelly bean, Kit Kat, lollipop, marshmallow, nougat, Oreo, and pie. On the fourth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. What laws would you associate by the most famous scientists to have been born on Christmas Day? Sir Isaac Newton and his laws of motion. Yep. Hey, I got one. Woo! One each now. That's <laughs> it. On the fifth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. What would Gallus Gallus Domesticus ovulations, a handful of Vitus vinifera, an embossed Argentum disc, and ignited C2H5OH be used to concoct? Eggnog. Nope. Nope. I went for mulled wine. Uh, it's a Christmas pudding. Ah. Gallus Gallus Domesticus ovulations are chicken eggs. <laughs> I, got, I knew that one. Vitus vinifera, so it's Latin for raisins. Mm. An embossed Argentum disc is a silver coin. Of course it is. Uh, you eat coins over there, huh? We find it really funny when Nan chokes on it. That's, that's the British style <laughs> humour for you. <laughs> An ignited C2H5OH is alcohol to flambe the Christmas pudding, which is another great tradition. Putting alcohol all over your Christmas pudding, satin light to the tablecloth, and Christmas dinner's ruined. Yeah. <laughs> 
On the sixth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Which craft crashed into Mars, never to be seen again on Christmas Day 2003? I'll let John go for that one. No, I, I'll, I'll know it as soon as I hear it, but I've totally forgotten. It was Beagle 2. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. Beagle 2 was a British Mars lander that everybody was on tender hooks on Christmas Day waiting yeah. to hear the signal that it had landed and it crashed. Yep. And wasn't the other Beagle one where its solar panels didn't come out all the way? That was the Beagle 2. On the seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Pleasingly and appropriately, the only element to have no letters in common with three wise men is gold. Ah. So you don't find G-O-L-D in three wise men. See, that's not fair. That's totally a trick question because one of the items that the three wise men supposedly gave (laughs) was gold. That's that's why I didn't choose it. That is the irony. (laughs) You're a bad man, Mark. (laughs) On the eighth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Christmas crackers go with a bang because of two overlapping cardboard strips that are treated with gunpowder. What are the three main ingredients of gunpowder, and you get one point for each? Saltpeter, charcoal, and sulfur. Yeah, I'll give you saltpeter. It's it's known as potassium nitrate, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, saltpeter, charcoal, and sulfur. Yeah. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Santa and his reindeer live at the North Pole, but it's not clear if this is geographic North Pole or magnetic North Pole. How far apart are these two at the moment within 60 miles? I picked 1500. Oh, and a thousand. It's only 250 at the minute. Really? Wow. Yeah. 250 miles, but magnetic North moves but it's currently at 250 miles from Geographic North Pole. Hmm. On the 10th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. Astronauts broadcast which Christmas song from space in 1965? White Christmas. On December the 16th, 1965, on board Gemini 6, astronaut Wally Sharar became the first human to perform a musical instrument in space. It was a harmonica, and uh, doing so created the first musical broadcast from space. Now have a listen to this, and it's not a great recording, but it might give you an idea of what the tune was. There's a bit of talk beforehand. Uh, we have an object, looks like a satellite, uh, going from north to south, probably in a polar orbit. Uh, he's in a very low trajectory, traveling from north to south. So what he actually said is, we we have an object that looks like a satellite going from north to south, probably in polar orbit, very low, looks like he might be going to re-enter soon, stand by one, you might just let me try to pick up that thing. (laughs) And at that point, the sound of a tiny harmonica accompanied by a small sleigh bell, it could be heard playing the well-known holiday tune Jingle Bells. Sherrard played the harmonica while Stafford jingled the bells. 
Wally came up with the idea, Stafford told the Smithsonian Magazine for an article in 2005. He could play the harmonica and we practiced two or three times before we took off. But of course, we didn't tell the guys on the ground. We never considered singing since I couldn't carry a tune in a bushel (laughs) basket. The two astronauts had prepared for the performance by attaching dental floss and Velcro to the instruments so that they could be hung up on the walls of the spacecraft when they weren't being used. Stafford and Sherrard donated the instruments to the National Air and Space Museum in 1967 and they are on display in the Apollo to the Moon exhibition in the museum in Washington, D.C. On the 11th day of Christmas, my true love gave to me mistletoe literally translates from anglo-saxon as what i don't know if i'm allowed to say it's one of those things that we got told in school by a a really cool teacher i don't know if it's right or not basically a poo stick yeah basically dung on a stick right but that's not how he told us what it was but yeah (laughs) (laughs) is that right yeah it is yeah I spent years at school. That's the only thing I can remember from one teacher. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Stevens. You're a legend. <laughs> On the twelfth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me. I chose Norway. So did I. It was actually Turkey. Ah. What? That's so ironic that it's a place name that is related to Christmas in other ways. Hmm. So how did you both do? Well... Assuming that I got all the components of gunpowder correct, that would be four for me. I got four. Well, that's not bad, actually, because some of those questions were a bit tricky, to say the least. Yeah, think? <laughs> just a little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> not fair, not fair. We don't have Christmas puddings over here. I protest. You're not missing much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Although my other half has come up with a concoction. Get a, a small Christmas pudding, break it up, mix it with cream and meringue, and call it a Christmas mess. Nice. Can I throw in a, a random Welsh Christmas question for you as well? Is that okay? Yeah, go It's a very strange one, this one. So, which James Bond actor could be related to Father Christmas in Wales? In other words, what do they call Father Christmas in Wales? I'm going to go with Roger Moore. <laughs> it's not Roger Moore. <laughs> no idea. Father Christmas in Wales is called Sean Conn. Ah, I was going to say Sean Connery Ah, Oh well It's weird that certain things are called other other things This is is no word of a lie There's a Toyota car Called an MR2 Mm -hmm. Which was never released in France Because MR2 In French would be MR2 Which means well poo Yeah (laughs) In French (laughs) Vauxhall in the UK Produced a car called a Corsa uh, which superseded a car called a Nova. In Europe, it has always been called a Corsa. They never had a Nova. And the reason for that is that in, I think it's Spanish, Nova means no good, knackered. <laughs> right. I think it's time we take another short break. And um, when we come back, it's time to get a bit spacey. science lovers it's steph Evs of the stimulus i hope you and your loved ones have a wonderful holiday and a happy new year hi this is zach Allegan, and you're listening to the tgp podcast merry christmas everybody we are by nature explorers the same curiosity that sends us to the stars at the speed of thought urges us to go there in reality. 
and whenever we make a great new leap, we elevate humanity, bring people and nations together, usher new discoveries, and new technologies. So remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Be curious. This is TGP Nominal. As I mentioned earlier, we've got a few what I call uplifting stories. And the first one that I've come across is that the head of the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, has announced that the agency has selected the first cosmonaut to go on a SpaceX commercial crew mission to the International Space Station, although a seat barter agreement between NASA and Roscosmos has not been finalised as of yet. The Director General of Roscosmos tweeted that cosmonaut Anna Kakina will go on the International Space Station in the autumn of 2022 as part of the crew of an American commercial spacecraft. In exchange, a NASA astronaut will be part of a crew of a Soyuz mission to the station launching in the same time frame. Kakina is the only woman currently active in the Russian cosmonaut corps. She was selected in 2012 but has yet to fly into space. It is likely that she would be on the Crew 5 Crew Dragon mission, which NASA astronauts Nicole Mann, Josh Casada, and JAXA astronaut Kochi Wakata are currently assigned. That approach ensures that there will be at least one Roscosmos cosmonaut and one NASA astronaut on the station at any one time, should either Soyuz or commercial crew vehicles be grounded for an extended period. Now, John mentioned last month about the space launch company called Astra and their intentions of creating a satellite constellation to compete with SpaceX's Starlink. Well, it has been announced that Astra will be launching one of their 3.3 vehicles from Space Launch Complex 46 at Cape Canaveral. The pad was originally developed for the test of the Trident submarine launch ballistic missile and it's now operated by Space Florida. This historic launch site has been prepared for new commercial launch partners in less than a year, which is a tremendous milestone for our combined team and illustrates how Space Launch Delta 45 sets the pace for access to space, said Brigadier General Stephen Purdy, commander of the US Space Force's Space Launch Delta 45 unit and the director of the Eastern Range in a statement. SLD 45s, Space Florida and Astra have moved at rapid speed to demonstrate critical and responsive launch capabilities. Did you see, and I think this was done after our last show, they finally made it to orbit. Pitch perfect, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was watching it live. That was, it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Now, it didn't have any cargo on it. They just wanted to get it up there to get it up there, obviously. And uh, yeah, yeah, went off just fine. So they, they finally did it. They got to orbit. So it looks like they are going to be carrying four CubeSats on the launch when they go up in January from Florida. So they're going to be launching CubeSats for the University of Alabama, 
University of California, Berkeley, the New Mexico State University, and the last one is going to be for NASA's Johnson Space Center. Astra has conducted all of its orbital launches attempts to date from the Pacific Spaceport Complex in Alaska on Kodiak Island, including its first successful orbital launch on the 20th of November. That's the one you just mentioned. As Astra scales out, our goal is to be able to launch from multiple locations. Benjamin Lyon, uh, the executive vice president and chief engineer at Astra said. So that's another thing they want to start doing is CubeSat launches from various different spaceports, as well as this constellation idea that you mentioned. One of the big complaints about internet access has been you know, ubiquity across the planet, which as long as this helps to resolve that, that's cool. Although I can imagine why astrophotographers are going to really start to get worried about stuff like that. Oh, yeah. The New Zealand-based rocket launch company Rocket Lab has unveiled the next generation of rockets for its fleet. Here's Rocket Lab's CEO Peter Beck to tell you a bit more about it. So this is Neutron. It is an absolute beast. It stands 40 metres tall, it has a 7 metre diameter at the base and a 5 metre class bearing. We can lift 8 tonnes in a fully reusable mode, returning back to the launch site, or 15 tonnes is its maximum payload capacity to low Earth orbit. And the vehicle itself weighs 480 tonnes. Weight is absolutely everything in a launch vehicle. You wouldn't expect it to be made of normal materials. Let's try carbon composite, but not any kind of carbon composite, a Rocket Lab carbon composite. But sometimes carbon composites get a bit of a tough rap because they're expensive to manufacture and slow. Not the case. We're going to do this fast. We're going to use automated fibre placement. 3D printing really changed the game when it came to rapid manufacture. At least it did in 2013 when we used it to build the first 3D printed rocket engines on Electron. With metallic 3D printing, you measure the speed in millimetres per minute. With automated fibre placement, you measure the speed in metres per minute. We have already shown with Electron that carbon composites are an ideal material for an orbital rocket. Now thanks to Neutron, it's going to really come into its own as a rocket material of the future. Now as much as I do love the sleek black look of carbon, it's about far more than looks. A huge reduction in weight is a game changer. If you can take the mass out of the rocket, you take the pain out of propulsion, and quite literally, the heavy lifting. So let me introduce you to Rocket Lab's newest engine, Archimedes. Now, because we don't have to lift a great big hulking metal rocket into orbit, it means the engines can be far less stressed. We don't need to push the engines to their absolute maximum. Archimedes is a one meganewton thrust engine. With over 320 seconds of ISP, its propellants are liquid oxygen and methane, and the cycle is also very simple. It's a gas generator cycle. These are all the things you want when you have to build an engine that can be reused over and over again. There is no point in having an engine that is absolutely busting its bolts at 11,000 psi. What we need for a reusable launch vehicle is an engine that can run over and over again at very low stress and very high margins. That's what's important. Seven Archimedes engines propel the first stage. It's 
sense reusability is at the heart of the Neutron design, we asked ourselves, how could we reuse as much as possible to really drive down those costs and time to get it onto the pad and launch again and again? The answer is not throwing away the fairings or even trying to catch them. The best way is to never get rid of them in the first place. Next, we have to control the rocket during re-entry. So that's right, Neutron does not land on a barge. It is a return to launch site vehicle. So to guide the rocket back, we use the shape to our advantage, just like Electron. We use the atmosphere to do as much work as possible. Small control surfaces called canards at the front make small changes in the trajectory needed to get the accuracy and guide the stage back to the launch site where we started. What lands back on Earth is a complete first stage, fairings and all. And all we need to do is open those fairings back up, load in a second stage and a payload, close the fairings and go again. We did something extraordinary with our first rocket, Electron, and we're doing something even more extraordinary with Neutron. The team is flat out right now at full force developing it. Prototype tanks are under manufacture as we speak, and Archimedes will breathe its first fire next year. Because at Rocket Lab, when we say we're going to do something, we do it. Quite an amazing uh, piece of kit if they can get it to work. If they can get it to work. But I've got to admit, I don't understand the jab at SpaceX for landing on a barge at sea. What does it matter where it lands as long as it lands? I think he's talking about the expense of having extra hardware to catch it and things. I guess. I think that's what he, what he meant by that. I love the Kiwi accent. <laughs> there are two words in a Kiwi accent makes me chuckle, and they are heavy metal. And Peter Beck said them both in that clip, heavy and metal. Uh, there used to be, on uh, BBC Radio 1, there used to be a, a Kiwi DJ on there called Zane Lowe, and he was in charge of the rock show. So he quite often used to say heavy metal quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> of all the things in that announcement for you to focus on. <laughs> now, the design of the Neutron Rocket reminded me of something, but I couldn't quite put my finger on what it was, and then it dawned on me. Peter Beck mentioned that the fairings would stay connected to the rocket mm -hmm. and open up to let the payload float into space. Now, if you've ever seen the James Bond movie, You Only Live Twice, you remember that Bond was dispatched to Japan after an American and a Soviet crewed spacecraft disappeared mysteriously in orbit, each nation blaming each other during the Cold War. The spacecraft are captured by a Spectre spacecraft whose fairings open up in a beak-like motion and swallows the other spacecraft, almost identically looking to the fairings on the Neutron. Now, I'm not insinuating that Peter Beck is some kind of Dr. Evil, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool idea. I don't think he mentioned it there, but I know that in, in the one article I was reading, also made a little bit of a jab at SpaceX about using stainless steel instead of using a, like a, a carbon alloy. It, 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 the whole thing seemed to put a couple of jabs at SpaceX there. It's like, well, you know, they can both exist. Let, you know, let, let them both launch their rockets and see what goes on. Yeah, for sure. NASA has announced its 2021 astronaut candidate class from a field of over 12,000 applicants. Just 10 were chosen. I mean, it only feels like a few weeks ago that they chose the last class, but it was 2017. Really? 
Wow. It's roughly every four years-ish that they uh, announce a new class. Huh. Here's NASA Flight Operations Director Norm Knight as he introduces the astronaut candidates. It is a great time to be in the space business, and it is a great day to be at NASA. So I know you are excited to meet the NASA's newest astronaut candidates, so let's, uh, let's bring them out. These are your NASA 2021 astronaut candidates. An Air Force pilot from Divide, Colorado, Nicole Ayers. Helicopter test pilot from Guanabo, Puerto Rico, Marcos Berrios. A bioengineer and Team USA track cyclist from Gilbert, Arizona, Christina Birch. A drilling engineer from Wasilla, Alaska, Denise Burnham. A NASA Langley research pilot from DeBerry, Florida, Luke Delaney. A space systems engineer from Chesapeake, Virginia, Andre Douglas. A Navy test pilot from South Windsor, Connecticut, Jack Hathaway. Director at SpaceX from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Anil Menon. A physicist from Potomac, Maryland, Christopher Williams. And a Navy test pilot from Clovis, California, Jessica Whitner. Congratulations to the 2021 NASA astronaut candidates. We welcome you to the NASA family and look forward to seeing you train and fly as NASA astronauts. Let's give them a big round of applause. The previous class, the class of 2017, mm -hmm. the majority of those are going up on the, the first three Artemis missions. I can't believe that was 2017. Really doesn't feel like that long ago. No. And the thing was, I thought Victor Glover was part of that class. And it turns out he was 2013. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but don't forget the two big ones. Hubble is back up. 
and the James Webb Space Telescope. Yeah, that's a pushback. Though. Only by a couple of days, but it's still a pushback. It's, it's well, I mean, it's a multi-year pushback, really. <laughs> when did they start working on this? Uh, uh, nearly 20 years ago. Yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> as long as it doesn't get dropped again. Oh, yeah. But between that and Hubble, man, this is it's looking good. Hubble's back up and running. I wish people wouldn't call it James Webb the replacement for it because they are capable of working together. Well, they don't even look in the same range. Yeah, one's one end of the spectrum, one's at the other. So yeah. uh, together they can come up with some unbelievable mm -hmm. images. Let's just hope James Webb doesn't have cataracts like Hubble did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if there's a problem there, well, we're not doing anything about it. That's for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it. You love it. You can't live without it. This is TGP Normal. Nominal. Damn. So how do you guys fancy a music quiz next? I think I might do better at this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, a little bit. I hope so. Well, saying that. Yeah, it should do. So this year I decided to mix it up a bit. So the quiz is split into six rounds. For the first five rounds, I will play you five tracks, and each track will have five questions which relate to the song played, sometimes very loosely. For the last round, I will play five riffs, licks, stings, clips, whatever you might want to call them, and all you have to do is identify the songs. There are 30 points to play for, and maybe some bonus points to go along with it. Do you remember when I said I might be better at this? I, I'm going to take that back. <laughs> I thought it'd be Can You Name the Song from the yeah. song. Well, it sounds like it is still Can You Name the Song, but. Yeah, from one note. <laughs> we used to have a show over here called Name That Tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had that. You had that one? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. That's what this kind of sounds like. Part of it will be, yeah. Sorry, the international best selling recording artist has just got back home from a gig. Which I might swap actually for the music round because she's better at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's get going. Track, Track one. one. Keep Your Eye On Me was a hit in 87 for which American musician? Two. Which musical instrument is this musician associated? Three. This musician's follow-up single was called Diamonds. Which female singer provided the vocals on this track? Four. In conjunction with Jerry Moss, this musician set up his own international record label in the 1960s. What was it called? Five. One of this record label's most successful groups had a number one single with Every Breath You Take. Who are they? Okay, that one's easy. Track, Track two. two. Skin Trade went in the top 30 for Duran Duran in March 1987. What was the name of their first number one hit? Two. In 1985, Duran Duran got to number two in the charts with the title song to a James Bond film. What was it called? Three. This same James Bond film featured an American singer whose record, Pull Up to the Bumper, reached number 12 in 1986. Who is she? Wait, say that one again? This same James Bond film featured an American singer whose record, Pull Up to the Bumper, reached number 12 in 1986. Who is she? Four. 
Various members of Duran Duran have had hits with other different group names. To whom was the 1985 single Election Day credited? Five. What was the name of the song that lead singer Simon Le Bon nearly drowned during the shooting of the video? Track three. Oh yeah, bring it on. Okay, I might know this one. <laughs> one. Human was the top ten hit for the Human League. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis wrote and produced this track for them, but can you tell me which band Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are members of? Two. Two of the original members of the Human League, Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh, left to form another group with Glenn Gregory. What was the name of that group? Three. With whom was Philip Oakey together in Electric Dreams? Four. What was the title of the 1981 hit for the Human League? Five. Which singer had a 1984 hit with Human Racing? Track four. This was a hit for Huey Lewis in the news in 85. What was the title of the song? Two. From which very successful film did this song come from? Kidding, right? Three. Who played the girlfriend of the main character in this film? And for a bonus point, who replaced her in the sequels? Damn it. Oh, see, unfair. I'm terrible with names. I can see the faces. Four. The song's title was shared with two other hits in 1984 and 1985, both which topped the chart. One song was by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Who sang the other? Five. Which artist penned a classic movie theme that Huey Lewis sued because of similarities to one of his own songs? Track five. What girl's name featured on this Marillion hit of 1985? Two. Marillion's follow-up single had distinct nursery rhymes connections. What was it called? I, I might be at a strong disadvantage on this one as a Yankee. You might on the next question. Three. Marillion originated from which British town? Four. By what name is the original lead singer of Marillion usually known? Five. In 1986, which group had a hit with the name Kiri? Yeah, I, I don't see any indication that Marillion ever really did anything here at the U.S., so I cry foul on that one. I just thought they'd have been huge in the States. 1992 tour wound up in Baltimore, so they did play over here. But man, I don't recognize anything from them. So now we go on to the part of the quiz where it was the little riffs and stuff like that. So I'll play it to you, and then I'll play it to you again. Track one. Hello. Track two. Track three. Track four. Track five. Do you want me to play them again? Yes, please. Track one. Hello. Track two. Track three. Track four. 
Track 5. So I'll go over the answers with you after a message from someone who's been supporting the Garbage Pod since its creation, plus a festive surprise as well. Hi, this is Laura LaRue, and I just want to tell Mark I'm sending you love and hugs, and uh, I hope you, your family, and the entire Garbage Pod audience have a spectacular holiday season and a smashing new year. So much love, you guys, and uh, I'm going to leave you with a Christmas track of mine that's aptly titled This Christmas. I'd like to start again. So that was Laura LaRue with This Christmas. Wow. If you recognise her voice, uh, she's the, the girl that reads out our email address at the end of the podcast. So, shall we go through the answers? 
Sure. <laughs> Do we have to? Yeah. Let's just get the pain over with. Yeah. Track, Track one. One. Keep Your Eye on Me was a hit in 87 for which American musician? Did anybody get that? Nope. That was Herb Alpert. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Two. Which musical instrument is this musician associated? The answer is the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Herb Alpert and the T.U. on the brass. Yeah. Yep. Three. This musician's follow-up single was called Diamonds. Which female singer provided the vocals on this track? That was Janet Jackson. Mm -hmm. Four. In conjunction with Jerry Moss, this musician set up his own international record label in the 1960s. What was it called? It was A&M Records, Alpert and Moss, A&M, until it was dissolved into Interscope Geffen in 1999. Five. One of this record label's most successful groups had a number one single with Every Breath You Take. Who are they? I think you both have probably got that one. The Police. Yeah. That's one more than I thought I'd get on that round. Track two. One. Skin Trade went in the top 30 for Duran Duran in March 1987. What was the name of their first number one hit? Did anybody get that one? Nope. It's called Is There Something I Should Know? Mm. Oh, okay. Two. In 1985, Duran Duran got to number two in the charts with the title song to a James Bond film. What was it called? View to a Kill. Yep. Yep. Three. This same James Bond film featured an American singer whose record, Pull Up to the Bumper, reached number 12 in 1986. Who is she? Is that Grace Jones? Yep. Four. Various members of Duran Duran have had other hits under different group names. To whom was the 1985 single Election Day credited? Something like Power Station? That was one of the groups that was uh, a spin-off from Duran okay. Duran okay. With, with, with Robert Palmer. Yes. Uh, this one was Arcadia. Not familiar with that one. It does actually sound like a song that would do well in America, to be honest. Yeah, it might have. It just doesn't sound familiar. Five. What was the name of the song that lead singer Simon Le Bon nearly drowned during the shooting of the video? Uh, Wild Boys. Yeah. Track three. One. Human was the top ten hit for the Human League. Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis wrote and produced this track for them, but can you tell me which band Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis are members of? No. Nope. (laughs) If I said the name Morris Day, does that mean anything to anybody? Yes. <laughs> Morris Day. Yeah. I can't place it. It was the time. And they used to tour with Prince a lot. And, um, mm. They produced people like, uh, apart from Human League, Alexander O'Neill, Janet Jackson, loads of artists. Two. Two of the original members of the Human League, Martin Ware and Ian Craig Marsh, left to form another group with Glenn Gregory. What was the name of that group? No idea. Heaven 17. Oh, really? Their biggest hit was probably Temptation. Never heard of it. Three. With whom was Philip Oakey together in Electric Dreams? No, I know the song, but I couldn't get this one. It was Giorgio Moroda. Oh, wow. Four. What was the title of the 1981 hit for the Human League? And it's the one probably everybody knows. Don't you want me? Five. Which singer had a 1984 hit with Human Racing? Now, I'm not sure if this one did go stateside, because there's only one of his songs that I know definitely did. Anybody? No, I didn't get this one. Nick Kershaw. uh, Had a hit with Wouldn't It Be Good? 
which did go stateside because it was on one of the John Hughes soundtracks. Which one was it? It was either Pretty in Pink or some kind of wonderful. Track four. One. This was a hit for Huey Lewis in the news in 85. What was the title of the song? The Power of Love. Love. Yep. Two. From which very successful film did this song come from? Back to the Future. Three. Who played the girlfriend of the main character in this film? And for a bonus point, who replaced her in the sequels? See, I can't remember her name, but I know she was replaced by Elizabeth Shue. That would have been a bonus point, so you get the bonus point for that one. Marty McFly's girlfriend, Jennifer Parker, was played by Claudia Wells. Claudia Wells. Wells. Uh, But Uh. the role was recast with Elizabeth Shue for the sequels because Claudia had to pull out the franchise due to her mother becoming very ill. And they had to reshoot the scene at the end of the first film mm-hmm. where the doc goes, Marty, something's going to be done about your kids. That bit had to be reshot <laughs> exactly the same as the... <laughs> Sorry, you sounded asthmatic there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marty, you got to put a bit more into it, Marty. <clears throat> it's your kids. Four. The song's title was shared with two other hits in 1984 and 1985, both which topped the charts. One song was by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Who sang the other? Don't know. No. Jennifer Rush. Of course it was, yeah. Five. Which artist penned a classic movie theme that Huey Lewis sued because of similarities to one of his own songs? Ray Parker Jr. The song was I Want a New Drug. Mm-hmm. Ghostbusters. There are similarities. There are. To it. There are a lot of them. The story goes that Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker Jr. There was conditions to it, and it was that it wasn't anything that was going to be disclosed in the media or anything like that. And Huey Lewis went on to MTV slagging off Ray Parker Jr. And Ray Parker Jr. counterclaimed against Huey Lewis and got the money back. Wow. Huh. Track five. One. What girl's name featured on this Marillion hit of 1985? Kaylee. Yeah, Kaylee. Two. Marillion's follow-up single had distinct nursery rhymes connections. What was it called? See, I, I put Georgie Porgy, but then realised that's a Toto song. It's uh, Lavender. Lavender, Blue Dilly Dilly, that one. Three. Marillion originated from which British town? Not a clue. Aylesbury. My hometown. Four. By what name is the original lead singer of Marillion usually known? Not a clue. Fish. Hmm? Five. In 1986, which group had a hit with the name Kiri? If you mean Kyrie, that would be Mr. Mister. Yeah, over here it's pronounced Kiri. Really? Not over here, mate. <laughs> Mr. Mister, yeah. Okay, so the the little snippet clips, let's go through them. I think the first one's a no-brainer. Track one. Hi there. I'm on my way, I'm making it. So that was Big Time by Peter Gabriel. Heck yeah. Track two. Owner of a lonely heart. 
awesome song. Isn't it? By Yes. That hit, that little hit that I chose, I love that piece. Track three. The next track might be a bit of a curveball. Nope, I think I got that one, actually. Okay, let me let me hear what both of you got for that one. Edge of 17, Stevie Nicks. Yeah, I knew the song, but I didn't know what it was called. Just like the wild wing dove Sings a song, sounds like she's singing There she is, the singing goat herself. <laughs> That's like um, a certain artist that you say they sound like certain things. Aaron Neville sounds like he's on top of a tumble dryer. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be a curveball because it's also used on the sample of Destiny's Child, Bootylicious. Yes. Track four. I didn't get that one. I went for Forget Me Nots. I thought you might do that, or possibly Men in Black. Well, I thought it won't be Men in Black. Because you'll go for the original. But, but it was neither. Oh, okay. I'll shut up. Uh. <laughs> oh. oh, come on. That's John Cougar. That's Jack and Diane. It was the clap at the end. How the hell did I not know that one? <laughs> now I'm a bit upset by that. I should have picked that one up immediately. Track five. I went living in a box. If that was in a cardboard box, Mark, I'm coming over there and <laughs> I will beat you with a two liter of Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm moving. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> you son of a... <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> Why am I not surprised at all? Oh, dear. <laughs> Did you pick that one intentionally? Yep. I thought so, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I should have known. If you're not aware, people, John and I have this kind of a running <laughs> joke. <laughs> because living in a box, living in a box is actually a great song. So he says. But John finds it funny. Uh, so I thought, is there a bit in that song that I can use? And that little scream he does at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put that in. He's trolling me, folks. <laughs> so how did you both do in that? I'm really poor, really poor. 12. I got 11. <laughs> That's not bad. Both did better this time than you did last time, mm -hmm. if I remember rightly. But I thought I was going to cause a bit of a curveball with Edge of 17, but both of you didn't fall for it. No, I fell for the forget-me-nots, though. I fell for that. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't until I heard the clap on its own that I thought, yeah, that could be misheard as forget-me-nots. Yeah. But it's, it's an unusual bit that you don't really associate that clap with Jack and Diane. The rest of it, the guitar riff and everything, you, you associate. Yeah. But I like that one. I, I think I might do something similar to that again, because there's so many little clips that you can use from different songs that have got like little bridges in between them, and the bridge sounds absolutely nothing like the rest of the song. 
Now, before we go, there are a couple of Christmas stroke science activities from the amazing folks at Whiz Pop Bang Science Magazine for your little ones and your not so little ones in the show notes. One of the activities I've had a go at myself, it's called the Hollow Face Illusion. And uh, you can make this cardboard model of Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer whose head will move around and follow your every move. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So, guys, thanks for both of you coming on the Christmas crossover. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, all good fun. I'd like to thank everyone who sent festive greetings that have been scattered throughout the whole of this episode. I'd like to thank Ruth Mayhew from Owsbury Town Council, NBS, Ross Hockham from UK Astronomy, and of course, the lovely Laura LaRue. We hope to bring you another TGP main show in the new year. Of course, there will be the Sky Guide in early January. I'm not too sure as of when that will be exactly, because it all depends on how the New Year's celebrations go, (laughs) because there may be a few sore heads. But that leaves us to say the, the usual stuff that we say at the end of the show. Merry Christmas. Everyone stay safe. And we'll speak to you all again real soon. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. Or click the social media icons at the top left of the page over at tgpnominal.weebly.com. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Ho, 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 toodles. Ho, ho.